The Bible reading this morning is found in Daniel chapter 9, commencing at verse 1, which is found on page 728 in the Red Bibles. Daniel's Prayer In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commandments and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. This is the word of the Lord. As we come to look at the word this morning, what is your expectation of what might be the outcome? As we pray before we come to it, let me read the possible outcomes. Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation, Lord, is hidden from your sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before your eyes in whom he must give an account. And Lord, you say, you will seek me and find me when you seek with me with all your heart. O Lord, will you please by your word this morning guide us, give us direction even as we consider our meeting this afternoon. Lord, by your word, will you search our hearts and will you reveal those areas of our lives we have kept hidden from everybody, that you might reveal them, that we might bring them out into the light and allow you to deal with them. And Lord, if there are people here this morning who are seeking you, Lord, so give them such a desire to seek you that they will do it with all their heart and in the process they will find you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 
As we come to the passage, we see Daniel. Daniel in a situation where he would never have expected to have been. Not only himself, but all of Israel <coughs> have been t- taken away from, from their homeland, from, from uh, Judah and Israel and uh, from all the land that God had promised to give them, with land with milk and honey, with much blessing, and they've been taken away and they are now captive. The book of Lamentations gives a very graphic picture of what it's like for the people there and for the way that they are thinking. And you might like to, uh, if you really want to get a good picture, take time to read Lamentations. Let me just share the first three verses. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are upon her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is none to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labour, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Why? Why has all the hope they had, all the promises that they were given, all the future that lay before them, why now has it all gone and they find themselves in this desperate situation? Well, in verse 14 of our reading, Daniel tells us, The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us. Why? For the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Yet we have not obeyed him. You know, so many people, well, many people today, make the statement, how can we believe in a God who allows the terrible things that are happening in our world to take place? The pain, the suffering, the injustice, all the things that take place. Now, I know... (laughs) I know there is no simple answer. But can I give you a word that Paul gave to the Romans that I think is the foundation? It's not that God wants wants people to suffer. It's not that God is waiting for us to make mistakes and and to come down like a ton of bricks. No. You read in Romans... The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God must act righteously 
that is his very character. And when people whom he has created, people whom he has loved, people whom he has sent his son to die for, rebel against him and go their own way. It's not surprising. Like the people of Judah, we find ourselves in places that we would rather not be. Well, into this terrible situation, Jeremiah has a revelation. Have you had a revelation today? Well, there's no reason why you shouldn't. When we think of, think of Daniel, if you read through Daniel, there's all these great revelations and apocalyptic, apocalyptic, <laughs> apocalyptic uh, visions that he has and we think, boy, that's the way to come to know things. But how does he have a revelation? He has a revelation because he is reading the word of God. Exactly the same way that you and I should expect a revelation from God every day as we open the word. And what does he read? Well, let me just ask you a question first. There is one verse I'm sure many of you know. What is, does Jeremiah 29.11 say? Don't be bashful. I know the plans I have for you. Are they good? Yes. To give you a hope and a future, to prosper you and not to harm you. But you know what the verses that come before that and after are? It's easy, isn't it, for us to learn verses that we we like, but uh, not necessarily to keep them in the context. Well, the earlier verses in chapter 29 is speaking about what was going to happen to the people. And reading from verse 10, you read this. This is what the Lord says, and this is what, Je- what Jeremiah discovered. When 70 years are, are completed in, for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to, to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Oh dear. Oh dear. Jeremiah read this. What God has promised, what God desires for his people. But on the other hand, How different is the reality to where they live? What a contrast between what God wants and what the reality is. So what does it do for Jeremiah? It drives him to pray. That drives him to pray. How does he pray? 
So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him, pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes, <coughs> of course, were the symbols in those days of, of great mourning and desperation and of humbling yourself. Jeremiah realised... Sorry, <laughs> thanks, Nick... Daniel realised that the only person who could change the situation was, don't be bashful, God was God. And so he came to God and he pleaded. You know, I'm sure we look around about us and we see things so far different to the way God wants them to be. Maybe in our lives there are things happening that we don't understand why God allows things to happen. I've been asking me a few questions about some of the things that have happened to me recently. What do you do? What do you do when you have a tension between what is actually happening and what you think should be happening, just as it was for Jeremiah. Listen to what, what John White has to say in his, in his little book when he's actually speaking about this prayer of Daniel. He says, Where scripture and your experience clash, do not run away from the tension. Let it become the energizer of earnest prayer. In the Christian life, you need more tension, not less, if you are to do the will of God. I don't particularly like that statement to you. In the Christian life, you need more tension, not less, if you are to do the will of God. Tension in spiritual things can be, the, can be creative and life-producing. And so Daniel, when he sees the tension between what is really should be and what really is, it drives him to his knees to earnest, severe prayer. Well, let's take a little, take a little time to look about what this prayer actually is. Well, the first thing we notice is the way he acknowledges God. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. Lord, that's what you are. That's what you were like. You are so great. Your love is so great. And you keep your covenant of love with all who obey your commands. Lord, verse 7, Lord, you are righteous. Verse 9, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Oh, what a God it is we have the privilege to be able to come to in prayer. Hey? What a privilege. And so then he goes in to confess. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. We have sinned and done wrong, verse 5. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. 
Verse 6, we have not listened to your servants of prophets. Verse 8, Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. Verse 11, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing (coughs) to obey you. And verse 13, we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. Lord, you are so great. But the problems that we are experiencing is our fault. Is our fault. It's interesting, isn't it? So many of those verses we read in the confession start with the word we. (laughs) Daniel, Daniel, uh, now you're sure you've got that right? Surely, surely Daniel didn't need to include himself in the prayers. Remember about Daniel. Remember when, when Daniel was taken into captivity, how he refused to eat the, the food that was given to him by the, by the king in Babylonia because it wasn't, it wasn't kosher, it was against his law and he did not want to do anything to offend, offend the Lord. Remember... Uh, the way Daniel lived, even though he was under a foreign power in a foreign country. Remember how he lived. Remember there was a time when Daniel was given a position of authority and uh, all the others, you know, the old tall poppy syndrome, they didn't want Daniel, who was, who was a foreigner, to be in charge of them. And so we read these words. At this, the administrators... And the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis of a charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And then he goes on to... Goes on to we also know, don't we, that when, when, uh, when they created these, this, these rules by the, by the laws of the Medes and Persians, that they weren't to worship any, anyone except the king, and Daniel, in his faithfulness to God, continued to pray. And as a result, he was to become lion fodder. It was only God who spared him from the, from the death by the lions. Daniel, you, you were so good, you showed everybody up. Surely you don't include yourselves in these confessions. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because the very best person amongst us has so much, so much in our lives. We have so much in our lives that is displeasing to God. But not only that, what about all the princes and the fathers? Surely they're not there now, so why would he be 
uh, confessing on behalf of the fathers. Well, you see, confession is something that we really don't understand. Well, I can only speak for myself, I guess. I don't really know what it means to confess. I had my eyes opened a little bit when we went to the prayer seminar that we're having here next Saturday when Mary and I went there. We saw something a little bit more of confession. But confession is much deeper than we realise. What's about the situation of our land today? As, a, as, a, as our family, over the last four years, we have seen something of the pain, of the injustice, of the betrayal, of the hurt, of the insecurity, and of the fear that comes about through, as we've seen through the lives of the four little foster kids who our son and daughter, daughter-in-law have had in their care. And as I've often prayed for them and thought, Lord, it's not fair that these young lives should be in this situation. Until I happened yesterday to look up and Google, you know how many foster children there are in New South Wales? Any idea? At the end of 2016, there was 20,000. We've seen four. It's not even the tip of the iceberg. No wonder our world is such in a mess when our young, when our children are growing up in such terrible situations. And just think, you know, Australia has been proclaimed in its early days as the great south land of the Holy Spirit. And it seems that every day in our country, we are passing laws that slap God in the face and say, get out of our face. We don't want anything to do with you. We're going to do it my way. And so our government is pouring billions of dollars to try and fix a mess that it will never be able to fix. There's only one thing that can do it, isn't there? Who's that? God. What we need is not more money, more plans, more laws. What we need is revival. When you come along to the, along to the prayer, prayer seminar on Saturday, you'll be given this book. So this, these, these few sheets. It's called Praying for Australia. Because at the heart of all the, the, these prayer seminars that uh, Czech has been running is wanting to see people raised up who will really pray for Australia so that by God's grace, before too long, there might be a revival. Some people have already spoken to me about it and said, look, I'd love to come, but I can only come for a couple of hours or I can only come for the morning or the afternoon. Is, is that all right? Let me assure you, if you can't come for the whole day, please come along. Because when you come, 
you'll be given a book, which is the outlines, and you'll also be given five CDs. <laughs> so you'll be able to go home and pick up anything you've missed and also be able to, to, uh, to go through and learn bit by bit the processes of becoming more effective in prayer. So I would encourage, I would commend it to you. Some time ago I read a little book called Why Pray? It was, was by a man called, called B.J. Wilhite. I was, looking, I was looking for it actually to read again just recently but I looked on my computer and discovered I'd given it away <laughs> so I did, and, and it's no longer available. But in his book he says all of the promises of God, all of the promises of God are appropriated through prayer. And I thought, come on. <laughs> That's a bit of a bit of a tall story, isn't it? But then he went through the Old Testament and the New Testament, bringing, referring to all the, many, many of the promises that God had made to his people, and uh, both in the Old and the New Covenant. And then he, he picked out points where people had prayed about those promises. I was reminded reminded of it again just uh, last earlier earlier in the week in my in my Bible reading. I was reading about Elijah, <coughs> and a couple of things there just reminded me again of how we have to appropriate the promises of God. Because of the drought, <coughs> God told told Elijah to go to to Zarephath, and he said, "I have commanded a widow in that place." to supply you with food. Wonderful. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Now, how do you think it would work out? Well, you would expect Elijah, well known, to walk in, into, into the town and there would be a lady who would come forward and say, Oh, Elijah, so glad to meet you. Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to look after you. The Lord has told me to look after you. Come and we'll do that. No, no, no. When Elijah got into the town, he saw a widow and he said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Oh, and as she was going to get it, he called, uh, and bring me a piece of bread, please. And she said, Elijah, well, I don't know if she actually referred to him as Elijah, you don't realise, you don't realise I only have this much and I am just about to go and prepare a meal, a little meal for me and my son, and then it will be all gone and we will die. But Elijah said, prepare one for me first and you'll have plenty. You see, even though God had commanded her, Elijah needed to ask. And then on a later occasion, you remember how he, how he had, had all done the wonderful thing with all the prophets of Baal and God had shown him, shown him uh, who was the Lord in burning the sacrifice and so forth. And previously God had told Elijah that he was, that he was going to bring rain. So Elijah said to Ahab, <clears throat> oh, let me first, let's pick up the first 
early in 1 Kings 18, after a long time in the third year of the, this third year of the drought, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. Promise of God. I will send rain on the land. So Elijah says to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go and look. Go and look toward the sea. He went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. So he came back to Elijah. Seven times Elijah prostrated himself and prayed. And after the seventh time, he went out and he said, what do you see? And he said, I see a cloud the size of a man hiss, man's fist. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot, chariot and go down before the rain stops you. God had promised there was going to be the rain. But Elijah prayed seven times before that promise was appropriated. Not surprising, is it, that James tells us, you have not because you ask not. And he also tells us, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, and he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. You have not because you ask not. What is the basis of answered prayer? What is the basis of answered prayer? When we seek to appropriate the promises of God through prayer. Well, the first thing we need to realise, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. As Daniel said, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned away refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and the sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. Verse 12. You have fulfilled the word spoken against us, our, against us, our rulers, by bringing upon us this great disaster under the whole of heaven. Nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. That's what we deserve. We deserve God's judgment and wrath. But listen to what also, what Daniel said. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though, even though we have re rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God 
or kept the laws he gave us through his servants the prophets. Oh, give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act for your sake. O my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. When we recognise what we are, when we confess our sins before the Lord, when we recognise that the difficulties that we are going through, it's not God's fault. That's our fault. And if we ask God, not for justice, or no, but for mercy. And when we ask God that we, and tell God that, Lord, we want to honour your name, we want your name to be uplifted. We want to be a church where you are glorified. We want to be a city where you, where you are known. We want to be a nation where you are honoured. When we pray like that, guess what? I believe God will act and revival will come. Let's pray now. Lord, we come before you not because we have any right except through Jesus. We ask your forgiveness because we have rebelled against you as individuals and as a nation and continue to do so with no sense of a, a repentant heart. Lord, you are good. You are graceful. Gracious, you are merciful. And Lord, we want to learn how to pray. How to pray in a way that is pleasing to you and according to your will. In conformity to your word. So that Lord, before it is too late, you might bring a revival into this land and we ask it in Jesus' name.